Details of how to uh, do the morning study. So that's on the podcast if you want to listen to it. Any questions? Any questions? In uh, ch- studying chapter four, elements of right living. So, what is the right way for a human being to live life? This knowledge teaches us how to live life. So, what was the three ways? Anybody? Body acts in the spirit of service and sacrifice. An attitude of how can I be of service? The mind? What does the mind do? Likes and dislikes. Huh? Likes and dislikes. Elements of right living. Um, how should the mind be? So the body is in the spirit of service and sacrifice. What is the. How should the mind. Unconditional love. love. Universal love. With? With everybody. With all beings. And to develop this universal love, we need what? What do we need to develop this universal love? Intellect, yes. Also? Unselfishness. Unselfishness, yes. Good. But to, 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 to... to, to develop unselfishness, we need knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge of the self. The one thing that binds us all together. So the intellect takes in the knowledge of the self, your true being, your true personality. So when you live life in this way, you become peaceful. permanently happy which is what everyone is looking for say permanently happy because right now we live with name fame power wealth which is our goal in life everybody's goal is that without the knowledge so those things will only give you temporary happiness Why does it only give you temporary happiness? 
name, fame, power, wealth, all the things that we are looking, people are looking for in the world. Why only give you temporary happiness? Because you get neutralized. You get neutralized, yeah. It's fleeting. Fleeting, yeah. Impermanent. Any idea why it's impermanent? You want more, yeah. It can't always cater to your likes and dislikes. Cater to your likes and dislikes. It's always changing. Are you all right? You can't cater to your likes and dislikes. And it's always changing. You're relying on external factors for your happiness. You're not in control of that. Wealth goes up and down. Your name, one minute people respect you, next minute no one wants to know you. There's someone right now who had a lot of name and now nobody wants to know him in the news. Royal family. It's <laughs> just an example. Do you know who we're talking about? I don't want to say the name. Royal family. Same thing with fame and power. One minute you're up, next you're down. No one remembers you. This is the impermanence we're talking about. This is what we're all looking, this is what we're all striving to get. When you no longer have the same power, nobody wants to know you. Prime ministers, presidents, pop stars. What happened to Michael Jackson? These things are all changing. We can't control it. This is the point we're saying. If we could, and we can keep hold of it permanently, then that's fine, but we can't. So identifying with the true personality, the self within us, is permanent. Once you get to that level, it's permanent. No one can take that away from you. You're in total control. And you, feel, you develop that feeling of love and connect with all beings. When you gain this knowledge of self, Atman, you're able to understand the same divinity is within all living beings. Then you can love all beings. It's like you're loving yourself. And then if you continue on the spiritual path, eventually you become one with the self. Which you reach the state of enlightenment. This is the goal of all human beings. This is why we're here, to reach that goal. Not to get maximum name, fame, power, but to reach this goal. And that'll give you true happiness. So we said uh, in the last few classes that due to our ignorance of this knowledge of the self, because until now we never knew this knowledge, because of that ignorance it has manifested as these three mental temperaments. So if you're ignorant of the self, it gives rise to these three temperaments in the human being, which are tamas, Rajas and Sattva. Was everyone here for the class that we explained this? Yeah? Great. Yeah. Any anybody who's not familiar with I'll, I'll quickly go over it. Wait, you are here? Yeah. So. so this explains why all humans are different. Everyone has a different nature because of these three qualities. So because of your ignorance of the self, you're born with the because of and with these three qualities. And the whole purpose is to get back to your original being by gaining that knowledge of your original personality, which is what we're doing here. You are not this body, mind, and intellect. You're 
Brahman, Atman, Self, God, whatever you want to call it. This is what the, these great sages are saying. So who wants to talk me through the Tamas Rajasattva? What are the different... Anyway, just pick one, one of you, and uh, talk about it. Whatever you know, it's fine. Tamas Rajasattva. Anything? So no? Tamas is when you're really lazy and yeah. inactive and nothing bothers you, really. Perfect. Yeah, good. Rajas? That's from 6 um, p.m. to 6 a.m. What? No. Uh, yes, you're right. 6 p.m. Not to 6 a.m. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Perfect. Yeah. 4 a.m. till... And I just start uh, from 4 a.m. till... I just... That just doesn't start. Sorry. Saturday. 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah. And then? And then uh, I just... From? 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. Perfect. So those are the manifestation of those qualities within you. So whatever sattva you have, it manifests between four and six. Whatever rajas you have, six to six. Whatever tamas you have, from 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. So what are the qualities? As Anita said, tamas was um, laziness. What about Rajas? What's Rajas? Active. Very active. Frenzy faculty, I must do this, I must get this done. Whole list of things that you need to do. And Sattva? Transactive. No, not transactive. Transactive is the fourth which we haven't covered. No, I know. No, I've got the. Sattva goes to transactives. You can develop into transactive. But it's to do with the knowledge, knowledge to understanding. Ignore that bit. Sattva is not chilled. Yes, you are chilled. You can become chilled. If you don't get up. It's the right time to contemplate, think on whatever you want to think and contemplate on. But it's the right time to think on spiritual things, you know, studying this knowledge. Even if you want to develop in the world, become successful in the world, that's the right time to think about what you want to do, the day's work, you can make a list, um, and have it clear in your head. And you become more productive if you do it at that time. Whatever thinking you want to do. You'll be able to do any work within half the time, if you do it at that time, because you have that clarity of thinking. And from sattva, you can develop into the trans-sattva state, which is self-realization. Yeah. So that's a little bit misleading down there. Yeah. It's, no, it's the fourth state. Is everyone clear on that? There is a lot more to this, by the way, but it's in the Bhagavad Gita. We're not going to cover it here. There is a lot more um, we can talk about in those three states. What chapter is that one? In the Bhagavad Gita? Um, I'm not sure. I'll, let you, I'll tell you later. I've got it on here, but I'll tell you later. I didn't want to go into it because it's not important at this moment in time. 
it tells you about different behaviors of people with those qualities and then the caste system which we're going to talk about today it covers all the relationship which we're going to touch upon today so every human is made up of these three qualities in different proportions Indian, American, Chinese, whatever it is they're all made up of these three qualities so Rajesh has already said the timings it covers so what's our goal in life from developing into these three states what's our goal so move from Thomas and Rajas to Sattva move from Thomas and Rajas to Sattva that's that's our development because to get to that trans sattva state we have to have a X amount of quantity of sattva in us We're made up of all three but we, if we gain that sattva quality a great amount then that's what then allows us to move to the next state make sense so we said how was the what's the easiest way of uh, starting go to bed early reduce your Thomas to bed early and, but that doesn't mean you sleep for longer <laughs> you get up early as well then you're increasing your sattva and you're decreasing your tamas start with that so keep putting in effort to raise yourself from tamas rajas to sattva so in order to do that we have to put in effort even going to bed early is, takes effort getting up early in the morning takes effort so this is the effort we need to put in this happen, doesn't happen naturally but you put in that right effort then you know you're going in the right direction as a human being you're developing yourself just by doing that then you take in that knowledge that will then look after you for the rest of the day that's like a background to all your actions. It flavors all your actions for the day. That knowledge that you study in the morning. It pricks your conscience if you're going to do something wrong. Make sense? That's how it works. So you have to put in action. You have to reflect and contemplate on the spiritual knowledge gained and then raise yourself by, by learning, by studying the subject in the morning. So it's not only gaining knowledge, it's thinking about it. You can look, think about one sentence all for the whole morning. If you absorb it, you understand it, then you will live it. You may gain all the knowledge and not live any of it. That's the difference. For you to change, you have to absorb and make it yours. So that's where thinking, contemplating, then when you do that, it transforms itself into wisdom. That's the difference. Otherwise, we said you can listen, you can read all the books, listen to all the lectures, 
all the cereals, unless you put in effort to change, apply it to yourself, it, it won't make any difference. You have to apply it and start living it. I need to be unselfish. Okay, how can I be unselfish? This action, am I, is it selfish or unselfish? If it doesn't change you, then it's pointless. Doesn't matter how many satsangs you go to, doesn't change you, it's meaningless. So when you put in this action to change, another problem is that you get involved, you get attached, even to the guru, to the knowledge, to anything you can get attached. Beings, you can attach to your family, everything. So you have to be careful of this. So this next topic, it talks about possession. How you become possessed by the world. We're at the moment all possessed by the world. What do we mean by that? Possessed by the world. You get attached to everything. Now, did I give that example of the donkey? Mm -hmm. You tie a rope to a donkey and you say it's mine. The donkey can say, you're mine. He can't move from you, but you can't move from him. Isn't it? Similarly, what we're doing is saying, this is mine. My husband, my business, my wife, my money, my house, my child. So just as you say you possess these things, you are possessed by them as well. Does it, do you understand the relationship? Yes. You understand? As you say, this is mine, whatever happens to that happens to you. So, are you free? No. Creates mental agitations. Who suffers? You do. This is the relationship we're talking about. So, the more you say, I possess this, the more agitations it will create. more attached you are to the world. And we're trying to learn to be detached. All these sages that go around living in the jungle, Himalayas, we've read about them. They give up everything. They just have a begging bowl. This is the reason. They know that any possessions will create agitations and bondage to the world. So the least they have, less attachment to the world, just the boat. And they beg, they don't even work for it, work for it. they beg for it, whatever they get, they eat. I think Buddha was actually poisoned from something he ate. But we can't do that, yeah? We're not ready to go wandering in the Himalayas. I mean, I don't know, some of you maybe, but I don't think we're ready. So, we're all household, we're all homeowners, householders. So therefore, for us, it's a different category. It says so in the Bhagavad Gita, you are a householder. So your obligations are different. You're not a sannyasi. So then what do, we, what do we do? How do we go in the world and have this attitude? Let's develop it. Mm -hmm. 
develop this attitude. So you don't give anything away. You don't have to. You don't have to change anything where you are now. Just have to change your mental attitude. You have to develop a sense of disposition, this possessive attitude. Dispossessive, did you say? Dispossessive attitude. I don't know if there's such a word, but it's not I thought you said dispossessive. Dispossessive. <laughs> any questions on uh, this? It's it's a it's a difficult concept to understand. It may be yours, but it's that mindless attitude. This is mine. This is my car. Stop being attached to it. It's there because you need to live somewhere, but it's not like it's my house and I go to this and I go to that. Practically, how can you do that practically? Difficulty. This is the development. This is where you have to put the effort in. The understanding. Yeah, that but understanding comes from, I suppose, practice and conviction. Okay. Let's read this uh, paragraph and then we'll, we'll discuss it. People have become self-centered and selfish throughout the world. They are only interested in gathering and accumulating material wealth. This attitude is agitating people's mind. One must drop this attitude of possessiveness. It is responsible for one's own misery. This attitude of my possession is unrelated to the amount of wealth one has. It is present even if one is in poverty. So there's nothing wrong with possessions, but you should develop a sense of possessiveness. That mindless attitude. To deliver a sense of dispossessiveness. That mindless attitude. That's what destroys your peace. You think it's the possessions you are enjoying. It's not that. It's the mindless that you're enjoying. That mindless in that possession. My car. The minute you sell that car and you get a new model, are you still interested in that old car? Because it's no longer yours. So what was it that was making you possessive of that car? The car or the fact that it was yours? The attitude that it was mine? Because the minute it's not yours and you sold it, that attitude is gone. That feeling of possessiveness is gone. Does it make sense? You have a house, you're attached to the house. Beautiful house, this is my house, this is my house, we grew up here. The minute you sell it and you upgrade to a bigger house, how can you sell that house? You're so attached to it, you're so possessive over that house. How can you suddenly sell it? You're born there. But it's now, you've upgraded to a bigger house. No yeah, but that would still be sentimental value to you. So you, you just still sold would it. be... 
even though you've sold it, you'll still be attached to it because you have those memories of growing up. There. But that memory is different from the from that from the house, isn't it? Those are your memories. To you and your brother may be uh, going been brought up in the same house. He may have no uh, attachment to that house to sell it. But you have those memories. That is your own. That is your own mental memories. So what we're saying is that it's our own attachments and our feeling of possessiveness that creates this, not the actual person or the or the object. It's not it's, it's not the object of the being. This is what we're trying to differentiate from. So why have this attitude? So we have to move ourselves from this. So as long as you are possessive, you suffer. You can have everything in the world and have an attitude of this possessiveness and you're okay. You have no problems. So how do we get this uh, sense of this possessive attitude? How do we how do we develop this? Does everyone understand that having this attitude creates suffering? Because whatever happens to that happens to you. That is one way of looking at it. The husband. <laughs> Absolutely. This is our. We have to develop ourselves to understand. This is my partner. If you're so attached and possessive, something happens, then you're going to suffer. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have feelings. We, we differentiate. It's quite a fine line. We differentiate the feelings from attachment and the feeling of possessiveness. You know we see these movies where the partner is possessive, you know, the person even looks at another person and he gets agitated. This is, that's extreme level of possessiveness. But this is what we're talking about. Someone scratches your car, you go and kill that person. Literally, it's happened. This is what it can lead to, that attitude. So is it living in gratitude or thinking of the grace of God that you've been given, what you've been given? So I don't know practically how... How to develop that attitude you're saying, yeah? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that now. But I just wanted to make it clear what we're talking about here, this possessive, possessiveness, how it can create misery in your life, yeah? So this sense of... This possession can be eradicated by identifying with a higher value of life. For example, let's say your goal is to reach enlightenment. Then if you set that goal, then you relate to the world with disinterest because you know the world will only attach you, will take you away from your goal. This is the extreme level. So you understand that anything to do with the world, I don't know. Okay, I'll play my role, but my goal is this. That's one way. But we're not there, so. 
But just to explain how this works, when you're a child, true? You're playing with toys, toys and your action man or computer games or whatever. Action man was from my era actually. <laughs> how did you give up those toys and games? By new ones. Hmm? By new ones. What are the, by, by new ones. But did you buy the same kind of toys? When you were a teenager, did you buy the same toys as when you were a five-year-old? You understand, you've grown out of those. You get a bike, are you going to still play with your Lego? You're not. So higher understanding, higher knowledge, as you take that up, the lower falls away. As you become a teenager, you have a better understanding of life. You develop a dispassionate attitude to toys you had when you were younger. Because something else has taken over now. The same thing happens to us as adults. As we get higher levels of knowledge, we become less possessive over our worldly object. The minute you get a car, are you interested in your, in your bicycle? You've moved up. So, as we get more knowledge, you become less possessive over the lower things. Right now we said name, fame, power, which are our toys right now. As you get this knowledge of the self, those things start falling away. You have less interest in that. Your goal is now I want to develop myself spiritually. These are obstacles in my path. I have them, I will enjoy them, but I need to move above this. This attitude of dispossessive attitude Renunciation is a sacred quality and it's the same regardless of one is poor or rich. Any questions? So, yeah, so. so knowledge basically, higher knowledge and setting a goal of development. This is what will give you this attitude. And also understanding that it's misery is suffering if I'm attached to these things. It's not easy because we're so used to do, we're used, so used to it to detach ourselves from it. But you don't have to detach from anything. You don't have to change anything. It's just changing your outlook. So, does that make sense? You're not in control of anything. I'm just thinking that attitude is really challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Because we've gone from, I suppose, worldly things to thinking that, like you said, it's the extreme, isn't it? And to always have that at the back of your mind. This is why studying morning studying gives you this, uh, this uh, perspective during the day. Knowing, understanding this, it gives you that perspective during the day. I'm not going to get involved with this. This is going to create attachments. Forget it. I don't want to. It's been objective while you're acting in the world. We'll, we'll talk more about it. We'll have some examples as well. But we're going to be going into more subtle concepts as we go along now. So, I don't know, it means more thinking.
But for example, like I suppose you start on a new career, and because we're we're talking about being possessive of anything and everything, right? So it could be you've got a high degree, and you're using that degree to earn them, get the best job that you can to earn the money, and be in that situation of thinking that you want to progress in life. Because mm. because if we're thinking about reaching self-enlightenment or whatever, that's that's like beyond. Yeah, it's like it's in the distance. Yeah. It, but in the here and now, you've got to think what it is that you can do to make what is here now better. So it's having that clarity of thought that I need to develop myself. Whatever goal you set yourself. I want to do, okay, right now I'm develop myself to become more sattvic. That could be your immediate goal. Okay, what, how do I become more sattvic? I need to go to bed early. Yeah. Wake up early, study, learn. Now I'm reducing my tamasic quality. So now you're already developing. And as you develop, you're studying, you understand, okay, it's creating me agitations every time I think of this. My car. I'm scared if I park it here, someone's going to scratch it. Yeah. I have to be so careful. Someone, everyone's stealing cars at the moment. I have to be so be careful about where I keep my fob. Doing all those things is fine. But if you're having sleepless nights because of that, then it's a problem. Yeah. So it's developing that attitude that this is everything I have, but it can all go tomorrow. And that comes from understanding, learning the subject, this knowledge, developing intellect. You have a better idea of what life is, what, my, what your goals are in life. This, it's a whole package. We're just touching upon possessiveness at the moment. But we're trying to understand what we go through in life. This is one thing we go through in life. Agitations is because of this attitude of possessiveness. So if you have this attitude of dispossessiveness, then you can still have the same things, but not be agitated by what happens. That's all we're saying. This is something we have to develop. Because the more agitated we are, the, the less we can develop ourselves spiritually. So it's, it's holding us back, this positive attitude. This is why we need to learn this and understand this. As we go along, we will go into it more and there is still more to this. So we'll be a bit more clearer. So if we work in the spirit of service and sacrifice, that's the one way of cultivating the quality of dispassion towards objects and beings. You're thinking of others, not yourself. Working towards a higher ideal, starting with the benefit of the community rather than yourself. This would then surely increase your status of dispossessive attitude. You become more objective. This spirit of dispassion grows. The more you detach from the world, the less affected you are by the changes in the world. You start observing the world as a witness. So as you become more dispassionate, 
you're less affected by anything that happens in the world. So it's a, it's a state we can't understand because we've not experienced it. But the less involved you are, the less affected you're going to be, isn't it? Let's think about it. So once again, as you take in this knowledge, you develop, you become more unselfish. It's not how much you have. You can have millions and have a possessive attitude, but have nothing and still have the same attitude. It's a mental thing. King Janaka had everything. Sudama, Krishna's friend, what did he have so? Nothing. Nothing. Both were completely detached. One was a king, one was a pauper. But the attitude was a complete detachment. So that poem we've read before highlights detachment. That poem about even this shall pass away, remember? This highlights this, what we're just talking about. So we'll read that to give us a different insight to what we're talking about here. So this is a king who has everything, isn't it? So his objectivity takes him through life. That understanding, that clarity of thinking, which is what we're trying to develop. So even this shall pass away by Theodore Tilton. <coughs> now we've read it before so it should, you should easily understand what we're talking about here once in Persia reigned a king who upon his signet ring graved the maxim true and wise which if held before his eyes gave him counsel at a glance fit for every change and chance solemn words and these are they even this shall pass away trains of camels through the sand Bought him gems from Samarkand, fleets of galleys through the seas, bought him pearls to match with these. But he counted not his gain, treasures of the mine or main. What is wealth? The king would say. Even this shall pass away. Mid the revels of his court, at the zenith of his sport, when the palms of all his jests burnt with clapping at his jests, he amid his figs and wine cried, "O oh, loving friends of mine!" Pleasures come, but not to stay, even this shall pass away. Lady fairest ever seen was the bride who crowned his queen. Pillowed on his marriage bed, softly to his soul he said, Though no bridegroom ever pressed fairer bosom to his breast, mortal flesh must come to clay, even this shall pass away. Fighting on a furious field, once a javelin pierced his shield, Soldiers with a loud lament bore him bleeding to his tent. Groaning from his tortured side, pain is hard to bear, he cried. But with patience, day by day, even this shall pass away. Towering in the public square, twenty cubits in the air, rose his statue carved in stone. Then the king, disguised unknown, stood before his sculptured name, musing meekly, what is fame? Fame is a but, but a slow decay. Even this shall pass away. Struck with palsy, sore and old, waiting at the gates of gold. 
said he with his dying breath, Life is done, but what is death? Then in answer to the king fell a sunbeam on his ring, showing by a heavenly ray even this shall pass away. So this is objectivity. When you live your life, this is the kind of attitude you should have. He lived a life of total detachment, even though he had everything, and objectivity. He had this ring, even this shall pass away, engraved on it. That gave him all the counsel he needed, no matter what the situation. Health is bad, even this shall pass away. Name, fame, power, wealth, this shall pass away. Basically, everything's changing all the time. Wealth, health, women, fame, he had the best of all, but he understood that it was temporary, it wasn't going to last. He had that dispossessive attitude to all his possessions. He had the perfect understanding of life, even at his deathbed. It's inevitable. This day was going to come. Why be agitated? Isn't it? Just another experience. Everything's just an experience. Does that make it a bit more understanding of this possessive and dispossessive attitude? It's another angle to it. So. One should not be affected by the pairs of opposites. It is part of life. With sufficient knowledge and fixed on the higher values of life, you would be unaffected by these changes and we will reach a higher state. It's all part of the package. We have to do all things to develop ourselves. This attitude, studying, reducing our tamas. It's not easy. There's effort. This is the effort we need to put in. You can't just come to one class every Sunday and think, I'm a sattvic person. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> the effort you have to put in. You know, your own development. You're responsible for your own development. This is the effort. So this is life. Pairs opposites. Sorrow, you're upset. Happiness, you're jumping with joy. Profit, you're happy. Losses, you sink. We as humans are designed not to be affected by the fluctuations of the world. We're designed not to be affected. But we're all affected. Because we haven't reached that level. That's the effort we have to put in. The day you're not affected, you know you've got there. The weather doesn't bother you. Your partner doesn't bother you. Nothing bothers you. You're just happy with whatever. That's the day you reach that state. Any agitations? You know this is where I need to work on. Isn't it? I shouldn't be agitated. It's saying that I shouldn't be affected by anything. Why am I affected? I need to work on this. Animals are affected by everything, by the fluctuations. They cannot do anything about it. He left Casper at my place last week. He was affected. Agitated. I mean, he, you came 
that agitator went down. So dogs can't, they can't, animals cannot deal with it. They can't raise themselves so they cannot be, they're not effective. But we as humans are capable. So as you develop the spirit of dispassion, you develop this objectivity. And as you develop more and more, you start seeing this world, how an actor is on stage, they say. You, you, see, you see this world like an actor on stage. Can you imagine that? Seeing the world go by, not affected by anything. Huh? What a state. What a state. True. You treat the world as you would see a movie on the screen. Everything becomes like entertainment. So just the thought of it is everyone making smiling, everyone smiling and happy. Just imagine if we got there. Just the thought of it is making everyone happy. You treat the world as you see a movie on the screen. Everything becomes like entertainment. That's why you can enjoy a tragic movie. You can go in a movie and watch them kill. You, you see Schindler's List, for example, yes? Sad movie. But you come out, what a movie. What a movie. What happened on the screen? But you come out, what a movie. Ten Oscars, it won. So opposite is you get involved with everything in life. You get attached to everything. Because of that attachment to wealth, family, objects, you, you lose that objectivity. That attachment, you cannot see things clearly. So as you develop, you start seeing the world like how an actor sees, how you see a movie. The world becomes a movie, your life becomes like a movie. So we have to learn to be not affected by the thing. So as you gain this knowledge, that this, this passion grows, become more detached. Then the changes no longer affect your peace and happiness. So an actor on stage goes through so much, but he's not affected because he's detached from what's happening. So imagine Laurence Olivier, he's on stage. And his wife gets stabbed, killed, is crying on stage. Wow, what an actor. Afterwards, he goes out to his parties. If he was affected on the by what was happening, would he be able to go out and... celebrates? Why? Because he's detached. He knows it's just a play. He's not affected by what happens. This is the state we need to get to. Just know it. So this is our fame. <laughs> it's just a th it's just an attitude, though, isn't it? You do carry on doing it. You can imagine how productive you become as well. You're not affected by anything. Whatever you're doing. You do it to the best of your ability because you're not affected. The mind's not agitated by anything. 
is putting in the right action. Whatever happens, as long as I'm doing my the right thing, as long as I'm putting my effort, it's fine. Just let it all pass. It all goes for a cycle. Just understanding this will make you go through life peacefully. I mean, it's actually yes. This is all stuff we have to do. This is all we have to develop. This is part of spiritual development. For you to reach that state, you have all these agitations. Have to you have to deal with all these agitations because this is what's going to stop you when you're meditating to reach that goal. All these thoughts. There's no space for these thoughts. They'll keep you attached to the world. These thoughts. You want to be clear of everything. Mental calmness. Try it. Meditate for five minutes. See where your mind goes. <laughs> you do five minutes. You're doing well. So this is where we have to work. What we have to work on. But when you do get there, like you, just the thought of it would make any guys all happy. Can imagine when you get there, how happy you would be. I'm not saying a total transformation, but even a small area of your life, you change this attitude, you will see the difference it makes. Doesn't mean that you don't you detach yourself from thinking. You know what? I give up my responsibilities. You guys do whatever you want. I'm not going to be affected. That's not that's not what they're saying. You have to play your role, whatever role you've been given in life. While you're playing this role, you have this attitude. This is what they're saying. That's mental detachment. So even understanding that you're in, not in control of anything in life helps you. That's the start. It's a start, isn't it? Are you in control tomorrow what the weather will be? Are you in control of it? That's a start. Whatever the weather tomorrow, I'm not going to be agitated. I'm in no control of it. I'll be prepared for it. You already reduced your agitations. That's somebody else you're talking about. So, so that's it, like within my own family, yeah. and that's our holiday to work um, I'm there now. That's a little bit of it. So you're not in control of her actions. No, exactly. So why are you getting agitated? Yeah, trying to make them understand that. This is the problem, you see. But you know where you said it's obligation? They're kind of thinking she should, that should be her obligation to turn up to these events. But who are we to decide what her what her obligations yes. are? You know, and we're getting agitated by it. That's, 
says yeah, that. Initially, but now it's is it? It sounds that's ludicrous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but we we just fall into that trap. This is what we're talking about. By learning, by understanding, you now understood that it's her nature. Why am I being agitated by it? I need to change my phone. So, Black Friday sales. <laughs> so, caste system. <laughs> the caste system. The caste system. Who? Are we not recording anyway? I think it's giving a problem. Hopefully, that might take him. Um, caste system. What do we know about the caste system? We've all heard of the caste system, correct, in India? Mm -hmm. What do we know about Did the caste system? Years ago, it's basically hierarchy. Yeah. If you're a Brahmin, you're the highest. And if you're a teening and a, not a butcher, but a leather worker or whatever, you're down there. So they've tiered it so that it's different people setting up. So how is it? Uh, Based. What is what's that based on? The work that the skills, yeah. Yeah. The work set. The work set. Through temperament. Through temperament. Is it though? No, I don't know. In a sense they say that That's how it should be, but is it? No. It's not, is it? So this is the next last topic on this uh, chapter, the caste system. So the three gunas, sattva, rajas, tamas, determines the caste. Originally, this is how it was. Depending on your level of sattva, rajas, and tamas, they basically what they did was they put you in different categories based on your nature. Okay, you do this job, you do that job, you do this job. Whichever quality you have that is greater determines your caste. This is how it's supposed to have been, and this is how it was when it began. Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. This makes up the four different types of people in the world. Brahmana, priest class. Kshatriya, warrior class. Vaishya, trader class. Sudra, labor class. Those are the four categories. So if you had a high proportion of Sattva, you'd be a... Brahman. You conduct doing duties in what a priest does. If you had a high proportion of Rajas, you'd be a Kshatriya, warrior class. Less Sattva, little bit of Rajas, Tamas more, trader class business people. And the last, which is more, someone who has more tamas than anything else, is a sudra, labor class. This is how they were divided in the olden days. And they was divided so that people contributed based on their abilities. 
So this actually is throughout the world for all human beings, but only in India they turned into a caste system. But it's actually this is throughout the world. A priest would have higher amount of sattva. That's why he would be a priest. He'd be right for that job. He wouldn't be able to fight in a war because that's not his temperament. So the whole world is in actually is like a caste system in the whole world. But only in India they did it and turned it into a caste system. But now the caste system, what it is, is you're born as a Brahmana, you're a Brahmana. You're born as a, a Satriya, you're, if you're born as a trader, you're in that category. You cannot go from one category to another. Oh no, this guy is so-and-so. So in the past, in India, the people were given work based on their inherent nature. The priest preached, the warrior class made weapons and fought for the country, the trader class did business, and the labor class did manual work. There were no fixed criteria. People were allowed to work in any areas they would fit in. You're a laborer class, you got sattvic qualities, you can go and do, become a priest. If that was your capability, in the past, Brahmanas, intellectuals, ruled the world. Before Mahabharata time, uh, it was the priest class. Then the Kshatriyas, during Mahabharata time. Warriors. Now it's the business people who are ruling the world. And soon in the future, it will be the labor class. Do you vote labor? Hopefully not Labour. <laughs> <laughs> labor, but basically they stand for the Labour class, isn't it? Yeah. Conservative, you can say they stand more for the business. business yeah. So right now it's the business people that are running the world. There was a time, the warrior class, they were regarded as Rambhagwan, Arjuna, they were all warrior class people. Kshatriyas. But that's, is, that isn't an open system, that is forcible, forced. Yeah. This is the way everyone's going to live, regardless. So that isn't what we're talking about. This is the freedom of a person being who, based on their qualities, giving them the freedom to do whatever they want based on their qualities. But now it's become rigid. In India, you say, okay, this is a Brahmana, okay. But his nature may be partying every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? But he comes from a Brahmana class. Yeah. A, la a laborer, he may be cleaning the toilets, but he's praying every day, going to temple. But he cannot move from that state because he was born in that state and they regard him as that. And they're only given those jobs yeah. as well. Yeah. So this is now what was what was meant to help the country by uh, categorizing every human being, every being there, so they can live up to their potential, has now become a rigid system. 
it's not just um, jobs given or not, education even. Yeah. yeah. Throughout. Your right, your right to education. You do not have a right to education. It's changing now. If you are. Only in the cities. But they, maybe in another 50 years, generation will change. So this system was constructed to benefit the people and society, but now it has been misunderstood and divisions have been made in society. People need to be educated on the three temperaments and directed to the Supreme Self. This will break down all divisions. Scientific improvements won't make a difference. People will still suffer from the stress and sorrow. Need to learn and live the higher values of life. Life is a skill. It needs to be learned and practiced. So even in this country, you're born in an upper class family, you're an immigrant. You may have qualities of high, high qualities, but he's an immigrant. What status? So it's it's practiced throughout. So the solution to this problem lies in educating the people with knowledge of the three basic temperaments and guiding them, guiding them to the supreme self that lies beyond the temperaments. Such education gradually breaks the walls of division and demarcation. With it, all the scientific achievement and advancement in the world will be of no avail. People will continue to be plagued with stress and strain, suffering from sorrow. There is a saying, to escape plague, the only way is to live up to the law of hygiene. So too, to escape the persecution of the terrestrial world, we'll have to learn and live the higher values of life. Living, therefore, is an art, a skill, a technique to be learned and practiced. This technique was imparted in India to the young at a very early age. By 16, the youth were well educated to meet the world. They become stalwarts, prepared to face the external challenges. But by lapse of time, this fundamental education to the young was lost. Now people live the good part of life without learning the technique of living. If at all they begin to learn, learn it at the end of their life. Spiritual education has turned out to be a post-retirement pastime before the horse. This is what's happening now, isn't it? After 60 I'll learn this. So you have to learn to live life. Just because you're born doesn't mean you know. You have to learn and practice the correct way. It's like learning how to play a piano or learning to fly a plane. You need to learn and practice its technique. So similar to life, you have to learn to live it. Once you learn it, it's so easy. People learn after retirement when they have nothing else to do. Lovely speech. This my son gave. Comes home and tells all the kids, you know, you need to do this. So there's a little illustration. 
This is the uh, illustration discloses this grave blunder in people's life. An archer claimed to have perfected his archery of 100% accuracy. He says, I can hit the bullseye every time. Yeah? Just telling everyone, I can hit the bullseye every time. This draw the attention of the real champion of the country, who was never able to achieve that accuracy. With humility, humility he approached the self-proclaimed master to learn his technique. The master complied with a condition, that he maintained the secrecy of his art. I want to learn, how do you get 100% accuracy? Please teach me, because I'll teach you, but you can't tell anyone. And then gave out his sermon. The problem with you folks is that you prepare the target and then shoot. Whereas I shoot first and draw the target later. <laughs> so it is with human lives. People live through their life and learn the technique of living later. <laughs> so we have learned this code of living. and what the goal of Vedanta is, goal of life, to reach the state of enlightenment. By studying the world and the human being and how we interact, this is life. So the code of living that we just covered talked about actions, emotions and knowledge. Yeah? So the next three chapters talks about action and how to perfect action. We've said we have to act here. Yeah? How do we act perfectly? We've known, we now have studied why we need to act to get to that higher level. But how do we, how do we act? How do we develop that right action? What type of action do we need to perform? How to strengthen yourself? How to gain wisdom? And then it talks about ultimate aim of human life. So the next three chapters, we're going to talk about action, how to act properly. We now know why we need to act. We're going to talk about how to act properly. See, if you, in, Bhagavad, in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna was a warrior, he needed to act. He couldn't act. But Krishna had to tell him how to act. And then he fought and won the war. Similarly, now we know why we need to act, why we need to develop ourselves. So we're going to learn how. It's Krishna's words. This is all. Krishna's teachings. Perfect action. So that's what we're going to start next chapter. Any questions? So this, see, because it becomes subtle, we need to start reading and thinking about it. Then we will absorb it. If you have that clear understanding, then when you go to the next stage, you're able to understand it better, and then you absorb it better. Any questions? So we finished this chapter now.